Live from Columbus, it's the Zone of Truth. This week on the show, Griff and I conduct the final 12 packs of Christmas segment for 2021, explore the mythology of Chiron, the Horseman of Death, in another installment of segment Griffin's God Complex, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with our GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the Zone of Truth. And we're live. Yeah, we're live. We did it. Hell yeah, man. Back again. For episode 75. It's a lot of episodes. Some would say too much. Yeah, some would say that. <laughs> some would say could have done with 25 less. Yeah, you know, we had a we had a couple we phoned in. <laughs> How have you been doing today, Griff? Uh, pretty good. We had a we had an interesting conversation before uh, before popping into this. Uh, maybe you'll put that in the end. We'll see. Yeah, uh, probably. Although we would definitely upset everybody that listens to this show that's a fan of Doctor Who because we really let them have it. Really, really let the good Doctor have it, huh? Yeah, we do. I don't know. Sorry, Doctor Who. I consider myself a Doctor Who fan, although it has its challenges. Most of it's pretty challenged, if you ask me. I have uh, what people would call rose-tinted glasses about it. Boom. Nailed it. Am I to believe that that's the name of a popular episode? Oh, that's the name of a character. Oh, okay. Then I care even less. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's kick this off. What are you drinking today? Looks like you got something interesting in front of you. Yes, I have an Alani Energy Breezeberry. Ooh. Naturally flavored with zero sugar. What flavor is breezeberry? Um, it's it's the flavor of the sound of Alt J's breeze blocks. That tells me nothing and everything at the same time. Yep, there you go. There you it's, go. That's how it tastes to chew five gum. Okay, interesting. As for me, I just finished a cup of coffee out of my very cool Kylo Ren tumbler, which is not displayed on the table here, but we are about to get into some holiday themed seltzers in a moment. First of all, what you been up to lately, Griff? Uh, Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> well, I, uh, I watched my first season of Dr. Who. You'll hear about that at the end of the episode, potentially. Mm-hmm. It, it was a thing. Yep. Uh, I watched Arcane on Netflix. Really enjoyed that. Ooh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not into League of Legends at all. I don't think you have to be to watch it. It was really good. Haley and I finally subscribed to Funimation. So, oh, uh, nice. So we've been getting deeper into One Piece because we like to watch One Piece dubbed, and mm-hmm. that runs out pretty quickly on like your Netflix and Hulu and stuff. So Funimation has like seven or 800 dubbed episodes. I saw an advertisement saying that one piece is about to have their 1000th episode. I don't need I, that might've come and gone or, or, Maybe. or it's coming up quickly, but yeah, they there's over a thousand episodes of it. Jeez. It'll end eventually. Do you think we'll have 1000 episodes of the zone of truth? I love you, bud, but I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. 
I really don't want to be doing this how when many, I'm 50. How many 12 packs of Christmas will we have had by then? <laughs> this is our eighth year of the 12 packs of Christmas, but Bud Light knocking it out of the park again with their, with their holiday pack 12. Still sucks. <laughs> Nog-er? Is this, is this even, even deeper down the eggnog pipeline? 12% ABV. 12% ABV. Nogs on Nogs on Nogs. It God. just says Nogs on Nogs on Nogs all the way around. I don't even think this has seltzer in it. <laughs> it's just chunky. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, that's what it will come to. Yeah, that would be uh, truly horrific, but <laughs> I wouldn't put it past Bud Light. Yep. I think it'll, uh, you know, it'll wrap around to something pretty bad. Sure, sure. Yeah. How about yourself? Well, I've been pretty busy lately, still raising a kitten. That's been all sorts of exciting. I don't know. You probably wouldn't be able to see it from here, but look how torn up my arm is, man. This little guy's got some teeth and claws there. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's really, he's really gnawing on me there, but that's been a lot of fun. Let's see. What else have I been doing? I've been rewatching the scream movies, hence my scream Two t-shirt I'm wearing today, man. I forgot how good they were. I yeah. really did. That first movie holds up. I think so well. I think there's a reason it kind of killed slashers for a while. It just kind of pokes fun at slashers in a way that is entertaining for somebody who really knows horror well, and then actually just executes a better slasher than the ones that they're making fun of. Really well done. I like it. I'm most of the way through a scream to now, and then I'm going to watch three and four. And then I realized that a fifth scream movie is coming out in a month. So I guess I'm going to have to go see that now. Oh, but what I've been really, really excited about, and I just finished this morning, there's a season of television on Hulu that I think is absolutely phenomenal. It is a show called Only Murders in the Building. Oh, uh, you told us about this. Yes. So I know I've told you about this already, but I have to share it with the listening audience. It is a show about three folks. It is Steve Martin, Selena Gomez, and Martin Short, and they are... All three of them living in the same building in New York where a murder takes place. These three people are also huge, huge fans of murder mystery podcasts or like true crime podcasts in general. And so they decide to try and solve the murder themselves while also making their own true crime podcast. So it's a lot of fun to me because I'm a podcaster. So watching them like talk to people about like, What's going on? Oh, and they're trying to like they'll, they'll like try to slip in you're being recorded into casual conversations so that's like legally binding or whatever. And there's <laughs> you're being recorded by, by the way. Yeah. So like there's lots of fun podcasty gags in there. It's just a fun, funny show. And I think if you I mean it's episode 75 of the Zone of Truth. If you've listened to some of the older ones, you know that I am a big fan of the sort of murder mystery or true crime docu-series and podcasts and stuff. I've recommended plenty of those. So to see people poking fun at podcasting and poking fun at this very specific niche of podcasting, that is something I'm a fan of, but admittedly is like a little pretentious and goofy sometimes or over the top is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it and it was great. Check it out. I think you would really like it. And I think a lot of our listeners would too. It's interesting that true crime has exploded as a, I mean, it's like its own category, like main genre yeah. of podcasts on iTunes. Mm -hmm. And 
honestly, you wouldn't think there's that much content for them to, you know, for a million podcasts to exist, but I guess there is. Bunch of people get killed every day, man. Hey, some in boring ways, though. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's a less exciting show, but I mean, it, you're right. It really has blown up. I mean, there are probably a dozen three, four, five part series on Netflix that I just haven't got to. They all look great, but and I know I'd like them all. I just don't have time. That's what we should do. We should start a show like My Mundane Murder, mm-hmm. like the most boring mur- murders. <laughs> <laughs> just like not serial killers at all. Like this is a crime of passion, clearly. Um, and like. Oh, a guy, a guy cheated on his girlfriend. She stabbed him. Case closed. He actually didn't die. <laughs> he made it. He made it. <laughs> I think there's this something is, there. This is Domestic Disputes, the podcast. <laughs> well, I think that could get pretty dark pretty quick. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> the petty larceny, the podcast. I'm into that. Small claims court, the podcast. That could be pretty good. Yeah. All right. Everybody has been clamoring for it. Have they? More installments of the 12 packs of Christmas. Again, I've been accused of running out of ideas. I don't know where people get that notion from. But the company that I think everybody wished would not make a hard seltzer pack. Again. Please don't do it again. Because, oh my God, their first try was really bad. So, of course, they came out with a holiday theme pack. Here we go. I wrote down the whole thing. This is almost as clunky of a title as my root beer segment last week. Sparkling iced spiked hard seltzer winter warmer variety 12 pack. That's what we're tasting. There was a marketing team that allowed them to name this that. Yes. That's terrifying. Are these brewed in like a basement? Good question. So a couple things to cover before we hop in here. Again, if you are not caught up, basically what this is is You know, it's Christmas time 2021. There are hard seltzer brands that are putting out these fancy packs for the season and Griff and I are rating them. We have an airtight rating scale, which is based on worst to best. How early does Christmas come? Does Christmas come the night before Christmas, 12 days of Christmas, Black Friday, just took down the Halloween decorations and Christmas in July. With the earlier being the better. Yes. All right, so the Sparkling Ice Spiked Hard Seltzer Winter Warmer Variety 12 Pack has four exciting flavors. They are Joy almost, to the world. They're almost as convoluted as the name itself. Cranberry Orange. Okay. Two things that probably shouldn't go together, but okay. Sounds safe. Could be sangria-ish, maybe. Apple Cider. Okay. Grapefruit Juniper. So, okay. You know, I'm pretty excited about that one. And then the one we, of course, are going to save for last. And I think we both can agree upon the most holiday themed seltzer we will have done on the show is Raspberry Truffle. Raspberry Truffle. Yeah. Yeah. Visions of Raspberry Truffles danced in their heads. Absolutely. So, zero grams of sugar in these things, 80 calories pop, 4% ABV. Griff, what are your thoughts going into this? Uh, the original ice were absolutely horrific. I think I still have one from the only pack that we ever bought mm-hmm. downstairs. Wow. Um, which at the veracity that we drink uh, hard seltzer is nothing short of a miracle. Yeah. That it's even left. Statistically, it should Statistic be Statistic anomaly, which means 
that them branching out into flavors that aren't easy to make, like their original pack was lemon lime, like mm-hmm. easy, easy flavors. Yep. These flavors are going to suck ass. <laughs> Dog shit would probably be a compliment for these flavors. Wow. Um, that's pretty harsh. I think these flavors are going to be like New Year's the next year. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we just got to get into it. I share a similar sentiment that we're probably going to be walking into some terrible flavors here, but let's give this a try. Cranberry orange is up first. You'd think you can't really fuck the. Oh, God. That's like me. weirdly foamy, too. Oh, it really is. Dude, sniff that. I think the word I would use is unpleasant. Yeah. My mouth's watering already. I don't like this. Okay, here we go. Oh, brother. That aftertaste, though. (sighs) Yeah. What I will say is you do get definitive cranberry and definitive orange. And then just maybe, would you say a a wave of unpleasantness? A wave of, uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. How do you describe that aftertaste? I don't know. Like, musty. It's like musty. It's like... The aftertaste is like going down to a wet basement. Hmm. I don't think you're wrong. Okay. Well, that was so fucking weird. Well, that was an interesting start. Where would you rate that? Only because I know these are going to get worse. This is going to get 12 days of Christmas for me. I think (laughs) I'm I'm kind of surprised that they got... um, they were faint, weren't they? Like the the flavors at the front were so faint, yeah. Compared to that musty aftertaste, I had to use all of the skills that Emily taught me last zone of truth to find. But uh, they were there, the, the like flavors, the flavors were there. Yes, but yeah, uh, I'm gonna give it 12 days of Christmas. Okay, you know what? I just picked up the grapefruit juniper, but I want to save that for our third one. What are you rating it? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot. I'm going to give this also a 12 days of Christmas, and maybe that is skewed a little bit. It's skewed, no, by, you know what? It's I've, skewed no, by the package. Screw, screw that. I've given, in this specific segment, better seltzers that same rating. This is a one. This is a night before Christmas. I'm sorry. I, I have to have some integrity. some integrity here. Here comes apple cider. Now, this is the only one I have any hopes for, really. And I'm oh just really? Because I kind of had hopes for that last one. I'm kind of I'm kind of ready to get my hopes dashed on the rocks. Oh, bud, smell that shit! <laughs> Can you believe that? What a time to be alive! Okay. Oh, by the way, uh, Haley, these are certified gluten free, so just throwing that out there. I would say not as bad. It's not as bad. I was a little worried because, like, the initial scent is like apple gym socks. Mm, sure. Yep. But the flavors, it's just like the other one where it's its very faint for what's supposed to be an apple cider. But I don't get that nasty aftertaste that I got from the last one. There's no aftertaste. This one is, um, this one's straight middle of the road for me. I think Black Friday. I think I could drink that whole thing. I 100% agree. I absolutely would give this a Black Friday. I think that is serviceable. That's just fine. Although it is giving me candle vibes. Mm, don't put that thought in my head. Mm. <laughs> For when I have to finish this. 
<laughs> All right. Grapefruit juniper is being poured. What are your thoughts going into this? What does juniper taste like? I don't know. Because like gin's like juniper berries, right? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of botanicals in there, but juniper is definitely forward, I think, in a lot of gins. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be like a floral grapefruit. Interesting. Yeah. The scent isn't terrible compared yep. to the other two, I think. Definitely not revolting. You know what? That's not bad for me. I agree. I think that's actually more pleasant than a lot of grapefruits, just because it it's not so, I guess, bitter or sour like a normal grapefruit. Yes. I absolutely have no idea what I should be looking for for the flavor of juniper. But it seems <laughs> you couldn't fucking point out the juniper in this no. to me. If they but- said there is some other flavor in here besides grapefruit, I would tell them they were lying. But if the juniper is taking that edge of bitterness off of a regular grapefruit seltzer, then I think it succeeded in its mission. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and actually give this a just took down the Halloween decorations. I do like grapefruit seltzers, and this is a pretty pleasant version of one. Yeah, I think, I think I'm still going to go Black Friday. Just I think for me, it's fully drinkable. It's not a good seltzer in my mind. It's just okay. Yeah. Now, these have gotten better, which has yeah, been shocked. I, I am shocked, and I will be shocked if this one beat any of the other ones. I'm so worried about the truffle piece that, like... Who in the world thought that was an acceptable flavor? They mean, like, a truffle like the dessert. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, they don't mean truffle oh, like I the mushroom. I you just were, like, very weird about the truffle. Well, it just... Wait, hold on. That makes a lot more sense. I thought truffle like the shit that pigs sniff out. Oh, yeah, no, you thought the mushroom. That's what I thought. It's like the dessert. You're right, because there is a picture of a truffle on your <laughs> dessert. That makes that's a lot more sense. That's why I wanted to clear this up. Okay. Well, if that's the case, I'm a little less concerned about that. It's got it's got a very sweet scent. Yeah, I kind of expect if it's going to be if it's going to have raspberry, raspberry and truffle in it. Shit. Well, goddamn. That's pretty good. Yeah. That lives up. I think that of all of them lives up to the flavor that was promised the best. That's kind of like Dove raspberry. Yeah. The Dove raspberry chocolates a little bit. Aftertaste. The Dove raspberry truffles. Are they truffles? I I thought they were just raspberry filled chocolates. They had truffles that came out at one point. Aftertaste actually kind of pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving it another Halloween decoration. Yeah, I'm gonna, that I'm gonna, was pretty good. I'm going to give that one a Halloween decorations and say, for me, that's the best one of the pack. Oh, 100% agree with that. Although I do have the same score for the grapefruit, but for a different reason. Yeah. Um, they wow, call them, they, they're classified as a, a type of truffle. Okay. Good yeah, I mean, it, it, it tastes just like it. So, well, not just like it, but it, it's like very close for a seltzer to taste like that. So I think in summation, that means that my score is pretty much average out to about a three, given this a Black Friday for the pack. I was really, really expecting this to be awful all the way through. Yeah. I was a little worried that that cranberry orange was going to be the best flavor we were going to try. Me too. Because that shitty horrible aftertaste is pretty common in their first pack i think it was all the flavors in there yeah all the flavors in there in their original pack are all just horrible aftertaste um yeah it's very interesting huh i think this rates better than the bud light pack 100 percent. i would buy this over the 
Bud Light pack 10 out of 10 times, unless I was buying the Bud Light pack, like, for a meme, like, for yeah, a party. Yeah, like, for the joke. Hey, look, uh, yeah, it's an eggnog slicer, yeah. <laughs> but overall, uh, surprisingly decent. You know what? Come back next year, sparkling iced spiked hard seltzer, and let's see what you got, because this was pretty okay. I'm actually surprised that their more holiday-themed stuff seemed to taste better. 100%. I think we got a call out maybe from Haley or the chat. There was a question that was asked while you guys were tasting. Okay. From Biprolar Profit Tart. Mm. Bippy, what's the silky factor on these bad boys? I think this one was very silky. Truffle was silky. Truffle had a yeah. nice silkiness to it. Yes, the other, we gotta taste them again. The other ones I don't think were as silky. No. I think the, the truffle one, you couldn't really get. The carbonation wasn't very strong in it. No. But... All right, any of these you want to lay claim to? I mean, if I had to pick, I'm taking that raspberry truffle, but I would take anything but the... Well, here's the deal. I feel like if you're taking raspberry truffle, you got to take cranberry orange. Right, that, that's a fair trade. Okay. <laughs> All right, that leaves me with grapefruit juniper and apple cider. Here we go. How exciting. Well, I'm definitely saving the uh, cranberry orange for last. Yeah, I'm saving the cider one for last, too. All right, so unless we have some late entrance to the game, that should conclude the 12 packs of Christmas for the year. (laughs) That'd be a pretty late entrance, considering this is being recorded on December 11th. Hey, crazier things have happened. (laughs) Supply chain issues, everything slowed down. Supply chain issues, this is coming out in the new year. (laughs) Holiday pack. In March, all right. (laughs) Give it a shot. That's why they're all going non-denominational holiday packs. You can have it at any point in winter. All right, folks. So you voted. It is time for us to do the big segment of the night. The segment that we are doing is Griffin's God Complex. This is where we dive into the IRL, the Pathfinder lore, and the stat block, if one is available, of a Pathfinder deity. The deity that we have picked for today is uh, Karen or Karin? I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. I think it's like Karen. Okay. I'm just going to say Karen. I'm going to say Karen because that's easier. Karen. (laughs) Does Karen at all tie into our story? I know like Haster did last time. We had some stuff that went down in Abaddon. I don't think there was a specific tie. No, there wasn't a specific tie into the story. Just you guys being in Abaddon. The only thing is that Lopstock is a Thana demon, Mm -hmm. which are the demons right below Karen. Sure. So they're like each horseman of the apocalypse has kind of a, a specific type of daemon underneath them. Sure. So the Thana demons are the other ferrymen. Okay. And so they all like report to Charon. All right. Well, as is tradition, I'm going to talk about some of the IRL lore, and then I'm going to pass it over to Griffin for all of the Pathfinder stuff. And this one was a little interesting for me because I actually have a little bit of a split focus today. Karen is not the Horseman of Death from the Bible, the Fourth Horseman or what have you. That is a different person. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Karen himself and a little bit about the Horseman of Death. So first we're going to talk about Karen. So Karen is a psychopomp from Greek mythology. Actually, until I did the research for this, I did not know that psychopomp was a word used outside of Pathfinder. It's I just, didn't either. Honestly. Yeah, it's an usher for the dead. And when I started doing a little bit of homework, they gave out some examples 
Karen was one of them, obviously. And the more recent example I throw in quotes there is the Grim Reaper is a psychopomp is considered one. Hmm. So he's a psychopomp from Greek myth whose prime responsibility is to ferry the souls of the newly deceased across the river Archeon or Styx. This is depending on which author is telling the tale to the afterlife. How does someone get passage on Karen's little vessel there? So it's commonly believed that a coin used to pay the ferryman was often placed on the lips of the deceased in late Greek society. And those who could not pay or were not properly buried wandered the shores of the river for a hundred years before being able to cross. However, after doing a little bit more research, it seems like that's something that's been blown a little bit out of proportions, kind of like how everyone's like, oh, there was a room in Roman buildings called the vomitorium where people puked. Well, no, that's just not really true. Mm -hmm. So I think modern society has kind of got it in our heads that a coin was put on every dead body. Not the case. This was something that happened towards the end of the Greek societies. So Karen is usually said to be a son of Erebus, the primordial god of darkness. And like other children of Erebus, his mother is the primordial night goddess Nyx. He has ferried very important folks across that river. So some folks that you might have heard about in other myths and legends, Odysseus, Heracles, Orpheus, Psyche, uh, Aeneas from the Aeneid and others. In some accounts, even Hermes or Persephone rode across the river in his ferry and their trips in and out of Hades. I always like to talk etymology when I can. So Karen, that word comes from a Greek word meaning keen gaze, which means that his eyes were fierce or bluish gray, depending on which historian you ask or linguist you ask, which itself could be a euphemism for death. This character has appeared on funerary vases dating back to 5th century BC, so he's a pretty old character. Um, I want to talk about his appearance for a moment here. And I'm just going to read a passage from Virgil's Aeneid because it kind of describes how most people refer to Karen as or how they describe him. And we'll talk about it from there. So there Karen stands who rules the dreary coast, a sordid god down from his hairy chin, a length of beard descends, uncombed, unclean, his eyes like hollow furnaces on fire, a girdle fall with grease finds his obscene attire. He was a gross dude. Kind of strange to depict this, like... Classic ferryman look. I guess so. Well, now that you mention it, I do think about that old river cat in the 2019 motion picture, Cats. And he was a pretty greasy dude. There you go. So. Regular Karen. Regular Karen, yeah. And where are you going to find him in, in today's pop culture? Well, pretty much anywhere that you see Greek myth. So right now I'm playing the video game Hades. He is the shopkeeper in there. If you read or watch Percy Jackson, the list goes on and on. It's basically anything that has Greek myth in it. it tends to have some iteration of this character. And interestingly, the largest moon of Pluto is named after him, which I think is fun. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Because Pluto is Hades. There you go, man. There you go. And he's got his little moon there ferrying people in and out. All right. So I'm going to switch gears for a second, talk about the Horseman of Death. I always associated the Horseman of Death with the Book of Revelations, which I think most people do. However, that's not his first appearance in the Bible. The four horsemen of the apocalypse actually show up in the Old Testament books, Zechariah and Ezekiel. Although in them, 
they're not called the Horsemen of the Apocalypse. It's just like four horsemen that are wardens of things. It's pretty ambiguous what they are, and historians have kind of pieced together that these are the same characters in the Old Testament that appeared later in Revelations. One of the notable things is that the fourth horseman, Death, the one that we're talking about today, actually has a name. The first three do not. His name is Thanatos, not Karen. Interestingly, he's also not described as wielding a weapon like the first three, but is followed around by Hades, the resting place of the dead, though oftentimes so depicted with a scythe in modern interpretations, kind of Grim Reaper-esque. Interesting, the horses of the apocalypse all have colors associated with them. So one of them's white, one of them's red, one of them's black, and the death one is described as having a pale horse. So in my mind, I always likened that to like a bone color, but it seems that pale color through translation, people believe is closer to like a greenish chlorine color or the sort of color that like a corpse will have after a while. Zombie horse. Zombie horse, yes, makes sense. Where do they actually fit in to history, not just religion? Well, a lot of people were talking about the four horsemen of the apocalypse at the time of the downfall of the Roman Empire, because at the down- time of the downfall of the Roman Empire, there were lots of famine, lots of plagues, lots of attacks from outside people, lots of people just dying all the time. And they thought that the four horsemen were harbingers bringing all of these things together to bring their empire down. So where are you going to find the four horsemen today or the horsemen of death, the one that we're talking about here? So I thought this first one was interesting. Well, first, I'd like to preface this by saying they're freaking everywhere. There are references to the four horsemen in sports, in politics, in literature, in music, in movies can't really get away from them. So I just grabbed a couple fun examples. The first one is the hideous four horsemen. This isn't a fun example. (laughs) I think it's fun. It's not fun. It has hideous in the name and we're the hideous laughter podcast. Terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. Unhappy drinkers will understand is an important reference within the big book by Alcoholics Anonymous. (laughs) very fun reference, Steve. (laughs) All right. Well, maybe not a fun reference, but I thought an interesting one. Apparently, the big book is a very important book in that community. And that's the book that was published in 1939 and established the 12 step program. Fun. Um, (laughs) We've got lots of good time to talk about Alcoholics Anonymous after we take down a seltzer review. All right. Well, (laughs) We, we don't we don't we don't we don't knock all these episodes out of the park, all right? <laughs> there are tons of references in comics. I started listening them out and then just deleted them because there were just too many. I've talked about the show and series Good Omens several times on this podcast before. They are prolific characters in that. I call out some music here, so it seems like literally every metal band ever has an album or a track or single or something that has some sort of tie to the Four Horsemen. So there are examples from Metallica, Judas Priest, Megadeth, Demonoid, Opath, etc. I have a special note in my notes here. One of my favorite bands, Parkway Drive, has two songs that reference the Horsemen of the Apocalypse. There's a song called Leviathan Eye, which contains the lyrics, Show Me War, Show Me Pestilence, where they repeat it over and over. And then the song Dark Days contains the lyrics, Behold the Pale Horse, which is the gentleman that we're talking about today. 
That being said, I do think probably the most prolific example of the Four Horsemen in music, at least that I'm aware of, is, of course, The Man Comes Around by Johnny Cash. Everybody knows it and loves it. Man comes riding in on that pale horse, and it's chlorine green. (laughs) Chlorine green. That's in the song, if you listen. All right, I'm about to wrap it up. I was cruising through the internet looking for references, and I saw one that I think I would be doing a disservice to my co-host if I did not bring up. I don't know what any of these words mean, so I'm just going to get them out here. In Digimon Adventure, the final enemies the Chosen Children face are the four Dark Masters, Metal Seedramon, Mujindramon, Pinocchio-Jamon, and nope, Paimon. there's no dread, it's just... Oh, Pinocchio-Mon, mm-hmm. Pinocchio-Mon, and Paimon. I like Paimon, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Followed by Apocalamon, paralleling the story of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. It does, yes. What, what, is, what does that mean, Griffin? Apocalamon is like the is like the biggest bad like end of the world Digimon like he's a mega Digimon that's just like I don't know he almost looks like a planet he's got like these chains coming out of him and the original Digimon adventure series like kind of scaled up the bad guys so it was like first they were fighting like Devimon who's like an ultimate Digimon or not an ultimate a champion Digimon that is like the devil Okay. And it like scales up from there. So like Paimon is like his final form. Oh, okay. Um, so like this was a parallel just because of Apocalymon. Those Digimon themselves don't really represent the horsemen. They were just like Apocalymon's like four lieutenants yeah. type thing. But uh, that's what yeah. I figured. I just thought that was fun enough to drink. Them. Hey, yeah. Just as fun as the big book. Just as fun as the big book. Equally fun. All right. What do you got for me for Pathfinder lore? Well, Pathfinder lore, let's uh, get his deity stuff out of the way. He is known as the Horseman of Death or the Boatman, and his realm is the Drowning Court in Abaddon, which I'll talk about in a minute. It's pretty cool. Alignment is neutral evil. Area of concern, obviously, is death, and he is worshipped by ferrymen, grave robbers, undertakers, undead, uh, would-be immortals, that kind of thing. He's got death, evil, knowledge, and water as domains and subdomains of daemon, ice, memory, and undead. His favorite weapon is a quarterstaff, and his symbol is a skull with coins on the eyes, which there you go. Um, is a reference to, obviously, that Greek tradition, even though it wasn't really a huge tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, sacred animals are a horse and a raven, and his sacred color is pale green. Oh, but chlorine. Like chlorine. So he's a CR 30 creature. Uh, We'll talk about his stat block in a bit, but he is the horseman of death, just like in, well, I guess not just like in real world mythology or whatever, but he's kind of a blend of those two traditions that you talked about. So he's the horseman of death, but he's also the ferryman of the river sticks. He considers the whole river sticks as his deific domain, but obviously the drowning court is his actual home base. He's the only one of the four original horsemen. So all of the others have been usurped or killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was one of the four that, again, there's that, we talked about it, I think in the Abaddon arc, there's that mythical fifth horseman. Yeah. That is the Oino demon that was above all of them. And then the four horsemen, the original four horsemen overthrew him. And his eye is now the eclipse in Abaddon that you always see. 
Chiron or Charon is the only one that has existed from that beginning point. The uh, Drowning Court is actually like, think Waterworld. It's uh-huh. uh, it's a bunch of strung together boats and floating citadels and that kind of thing on the river sticks. People often recycle their piss there. Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Um, yeah, that's what I figured. And they revolve around this massive whirlpool. So like the drowning court is constantly moving around the edge of this huge whirlpool. Ooh. It's the biggest of the four horsemen's domains, and technically, Charon is one of the only deities that's domain extends into other planes because his whole his domain is the river Styx and that extends into all of the outer planes. It's really cool. So he considers the river Styx area of all of the outer planes his deific domain. His underlings are as I said the Thanademons. That's what Lopsock is. He built them in his image so that kind of a skeletal like skin on skeleton is what he looks like. Mm-hmm. As far as his relationship to the other horsemen, he is the most powerful as he is the oldest, and he sees the others kind of as junior c- colleagues, but the original horseman of famine was uh, Lutheria, and they had more of a sibling relationship until she was killed by Tel Marixian. <laughs> they have some interesting names, but they kind of constantly bicker among themselves, sure. and Charon ensures that they have a unified face um, to project to everyone else in Abaddon, uh, so that they look like a unified front, uh-huh. even though they're like kind of political, scheming against each other. So yeah, interesting deity. The four horsemen are all statted, so they're kind of demigod level, mm-hmm. although Charon being CR 30 is kind of at the top of that tier. And let's talk about this step because it's fucking wild. Before we do, you've already read through this. Think you could be Haster in a fight? Yes. Alright, let's talk. Uh, so, <laughs> neutral evil medium outsider. Um, he's got kind of the same stuff that Haster had, like life sense, true seeing, uh, always on um, freedom of movement, that kind of stuff. Uh, has a frightful presence that is a DC 40 save out to 120 feet, and unholy aura as the spell at a caster level 30, which does a bunch of things, increases his AC and that kind of stuff, but also any good creature that attacks him takes six points of strength damage every mm-hmm. time they attack him. Got an AC of 48, 774 HP with regeneration 20 that is only stopped by either another deity or a mythic attack. So as you would expect with a CR 30 creature, you need to be mythic to even touch him. Mm -hmm. He's actually weirdly got negative energy affinity. So I mentioned that like undead worship him. He is not undead, but kind of undead like himself. So he's healed by negative energy, harmed by positive energy like any other undead has dr20 slash epic good and silver so you need to be mythic and you need to have a good aligned silver weapon to bypass this dr20 and by bypassing the dr epic you would also uh, stop his regeneration by being mythic um i mean do ability damage ability drain acid death effects disease energy drain mind affecting effects petrification poison Resists cold, electricity, and fire. 30 has 41 spell resistance. 
constant air walk, constant water walk, has a plus five spell stealing unholy quarterstaff that inflicts Curse of the Ages, <laughs> which the first time in a round that Karen strikes a creature with a weapon or successful touch attack, that creature must succeed at a DC 40 fortitude save or instantly grow decrepit and feeble as if the target suddenly became venerable. The target's constitution, dexterity, and strength scores are reduced by six, but its mental ability scores are not increased as it would be when oh, sure. become yeah. venerable. If he hits somebody that has been hit by that already and failed to save, they are subject to memory loss, which is another ability he has when he strikes a creature with a Stygian bolt, which is one of his attacks, or um, or hits a venerable target. He can affect that creature with memory loss. They need to succeed at a DC 40 will save or gain two permanent negative levels as swaths of memory are wiped away. It's really interesting to me that this horseman of death mechanically is not just about killing people via slaughter. If that makes sense. Like he, he's also like, it seems like he's mechanically the death of, or like the personification of old age too. That's what death is in reference to. Sure. As he's a horseman, everything else kills you in a different way. Mm -hmm. He is the personification of death by old age. Sure. That seems a, a little incongruous with, sort of the book of revelations stuff where it sort of seemed like death followed in the wake of the other horsemen and the apocalypse doesn't happen because people get old. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of cleans up. So this yep. is really interesting to me. It's a little different. I like it. Yep. He's got this reach of the sticks, special ability, supernatural ability. Once per hour is a standard action. Karen can transport himself and any adjacent creatures such as passengers on his skiff to any point touched by the river sticks, even if he's not currently on a plane on that plane, uh, traveling as if via a plane shift spell. So he can pretty much go anywhere uh, as long as it's in contact with the river sticks. Mm-hmm. This part is wild. You do not want to fight him in Abaddon. Okay. Or in any area adjacent to the river sticks. Any spell that he has access to, which I will list off, is a fucking monstrous amount of spells. Becomes mythic if he is touching the river sticks. Oh. Yeah. So, he has constant air walk, detect good, freedom of movement, true seeing, unholy aura, water walk, at will, animate dead, astral projection, blasphemy, circle of death, control undead, create greater undead, create undead, desecrate, Greater Dispel Magic, Greater Teleport, Shape Change, Telekinesis, Unhallow, Unholy Blight. Three times per day can quicken that circle of death, can plane shift, can soul bind, (laughs) summon daemon, symbol of death, uh, quicken telekinesis, whale of the banshee. Once per day can time stop and wish. Both mythic when he is in his realm. Ungodly. So... I mean, that's terrifying that the rest of his stats are not caster stats. He's got like all of the stuff that a level 30 cavalier would have Mm -hmm. can like charge people with his quarter staff. Ooh, that's a question that I had that I haven't asked yet. Is he mounted? Yes. Okay. And there's something very cool about his mount. So 
he has this transform mount supernatural ability. As a swift action, he can cause his mount, the Pale Horse, to transform into a skiff that can carry up to four passengers plus himself. He can also transform the skiff back into the Pale Horse as a swift action, in which case he automatically mounts the Pale Horse and any passengers or cargo the skiff has are dumped into adjacent squares. So the Pale Horse is... It's combining the two things, the two mythologies in, yes. a, in a pretty cool way where it's like the pale horse is also his boat as the ferryman. Make that boat a horse. Let me hear it. Very cool. <laughs> so here's his Stygian bond. Charon's regeneration cannot be overcome by any means when he is in physical contact with the river Styx or when he is aboard his skiff while on the river Styx. So forget about it. Yeah. That's why you can't you can't fight him on his turf. So this Stygian bolt thing I was talking about is a touch attack at a plus 44. He basically shoots four of them, can shoot them at adjacent or not adjacent, but four separate targets, plus 44 against touch, does 10d6 damage plus memory loss, which I described earlier. So two permanent negative levels. I mean, it's wild. He, his, he's got a plus five spell stealing on Holy Quarterstaff that is at a plus 52 to hit on his first attack. Like, if you, if you think about his his feats, he's got all of the bull rush feats, all of the two-weapon fighting feats, which he doesn't even fucking need. He's got ride-by attack, spirited charge, the classic mounted combatant feats. I mean, pretty much every skill in the game is at at least a plus 40, if not a plus 50 for him. He's got this special ability to craft items, so he's treated as having access to all item creation feats plus craft constructs for the purposes of creating magic items or constructs. So, like, he can just create magic items. I wonder where that comes from. If I'm not there, really sure. If there is a mythological tie-in there or the author who made this stat block would be, would just thought that was something cool for him to have. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he would craft constructs just seems a little bit, like, overkill to me, but, hey... Do you yeah. think that this stat block warrants the CR 30? I think so. In this case, you think it does? I, I yeah. Think because where you are most likely to find him, mm-hmm. he is an impossible to fight foe. Mm-hmm. I think that certainly belongs at the very top of the CR yeah. chart. I don't think anything goes above 30. I could be wrong. If it does, I haven't heard of it. And I think he's at the top of the demigod chart for a reason. Like the fact that he has a DR that's only overcome by other deities and can't be overcome by other deities if he's in the river sticks is nuts. Mm-hmm. One of the, the small things that I got a little bit of enjoyment out of was his spell resistance was a 41. That means that if you are level 20, if you've maxed it out and you don't have the special... Like the well, mythic stuff. and the, the mythic stuff or even like the, the feats that are to help you overcome spell resistance, spell penetration. Mm-hmm. So if you are a 20th level caster and you haven't really dived into bypassing spell penetration and you roll a natural 20, you're one away. Which I think is funny. I don't know if yeah. that's if that's intentional or not, but it kind of feels. Intentional. I, I think I think it is. It's, yeah. it's meant to it's meant to say like, hey, you need to be mythic to fight this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, and, and all of his immunities are just cool. I won't do anything to you, even if I do get a spell off. That's fun. That's great. So, yeah, I, I think he's wildly powerful uh, in a way that Haster couldn't even touch. But Hester was what a, a twenty-seven, I think. He was high twenty. Maybe I think he, he was high twenties, and then we 
kind of thought that he warranted a mid 20 like a 25 yeah because the horsemen go 27 28 29 and then 30 mm-hmm. uh, so they each is more powerful than the next cool all right man is there anything else you wanted to share about the stat block there no i just think he's pretty nuts it's a pretty good stat block i would like to see him fight somebody someday because i think it would just be a lot of fun but that being said I think that probably wraps it up for this installment of Griffin's God Complex. I really enjoyed this one. I like the split focus in the beginning. It gave me a couple different things to look at. And hearing a CR 30 stat block is always a, a joy, let alone that he has really cool lore in Pathfinder. So this has been a really good one. I've really enjoyed it. But we need to keep the show moving. And the next thing up is listener questions. We've got a voicemail from one of our good buddies. Haley, you got that queued up? I do. All right, let's take a listen. All right, first I'm going to pause this music so you guys can hear this better. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) And voicemail. Hey, fellas, this is 10 Lawn Gnomes, your good buddy Eric here. And I was wondering if you would rather have a narration of your life kind of in the back of your head, like Stranger Than Fiction, that movie from who knows how long ago, or if you would rather have like an ongoing dice roll for skill, mundane skill checks and whatever for your life, but not the narration. So you would know if you got a natural 20 on convincing your boss to give you a raise or a natural one trying to convince somebody that, yeah, everything's just fine. So uh, let me know. Talk to you later, guys. See ya. All right. Well, first note out at the gate, very presumptuous of you to say good, buddy, you know, just saying. <laughs> no, that's a lie, Eric. You know I love you to death. You're one of my favorites. Griffin, what are you thinking about this question? Uh, I think narration would be annoying as fuck <laughs> all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the dice roll is actually useful. It's kind of like, I mean, that's kind of like a superpower, right? Knowing how things went. Yeah, you pretty much. It's different because for different skills, but you almost get like backwards mind reading in a way. Right. right? It's like a. um, It's the reason why Tui has secret checks, Mm -hmm. because there's certain things that you shouldn't know if you did well. I think there's some things that a internal dice roller would tell me that I don't want to know. Yeah. Like if I. Hypothetical situation, let's say I walk up to a girl in a bar and like say something cool and like introduce myself and I hear like you rolled a natural 19 and she's like ew gross well, be like uh oh I have no game natural 19 with a minus 5 modifier <laughs> yep she's above your CR level well that okay that is a good point <laughs> you're not trained in this <laughs> I need expert proficiency I'm just trained <laughs> so I think we're probably close to the same answer here one of them seems much more valuable than the other and that is yeah. the dice roller yeah and i just say i i think the narration would get super annoying i think is I'd that be- is that why there's a movie about it because he's aware of the narration and it's super annoying i don't know i've never seen it i think it it's like he he's aware of the narrator i think it would be nice on and off like there are some points in my life where i think it would be entertaining to have narration if for nobody else but for myself but yeah 24 7 that'd be rough yeah be fun for a day and then it 
get really old. Yes. All right, Haley. What do we got from the chat? We have quite a few. Um, I, hope, I hope Eric didn't get mad at me. Uh, <laughs> we already left the chat. Left uh, the server. <laughs> Dropped his Patreon. <laughs> so the first question actually is Eric's as well. Uh-oh. <laughs> Ten Law Gnomes. It's actually from the beginning of the episode, so this is before you have been so rude. Yep, before I straight up insulted him. Yes. Um... Place your bets now. What flavors will we see for holiday packs next year? Oh, this is a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one. Candy that, cane. Yeah, candy cane. Candy cane's a great, uh, a solid, like, this is going to happen. Yeah. One. Uh, one, that, one that I'm hoping doesn't happen, but I think we have the flavor science there to make happen mm-hmm. is pine. You know what? <laughs> I th- I think you're probably correct. Is that just called Christmas tree? Yeah, they might like yeah. call it Christmas tree, but it's I think that would be one of those things like in the Bud Light pack. I think Bud Light's crazy enough to do it. They've already done peppermint patty and eggnog. I I don't think that's terribly far away from Christmas candle or pine or whatever. Eric asked, have we had a gingerbread house? Which I would assume would be a sweet version of the gingers. We had gingerbread last year. Gingerbread. It was in the Bud Light pack 2019. What if it was... um, Or 2020. What what if they did the blood of Christ? Griffin, no. Stop now. Or like like incense burnt at mass. Yo, which one do you like better? Gold, frankincense, or myrrh? (laughs) Guys, the gold tastes pretty metallic. Remember, they're keeping these holiday packs. All right, I mean they'll have a matzo one. All right, well, I think I think you should. I think they should really lean into the Christianity aspect of it. Do gold, frankincense, myrrh, and then uh, stable, stable. Or Krusty uh, Crust has uh, suggested manger juice. Manger juice. Manger juice. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Nothing like getting crunk off manger juice. So manger, myrrh, pine, candy cane is going to be Bud Light's 2022. Next question, please. <laughs> well, Smeagol followed this up with, if they had the power, why haven't they done peppermint? Uh, pe- Maybe it is out of reach. Done. Peppermint's been done. Uh, I think they're referring to the candy cane. You're right. It's been done, but not purely. It was the peppermint patty, which was peppermint and chocolate, which worked really well. Just peppermint itself, I think, would be really harsh as a seltzer, but I'd give it a shot. Yeah. Of course you guys would try it, whether it's good or bad. All right. So Corey has asked, which horseman would you most like to fight? Hmm. Hmm. I didn't really look at the other stat blocks. Like in Pathfinder or real life? Um, up to your interpretation because she did not specify at all. Yeah, uh, looking back, she did not specify. War was the hottest, in my opinion, in uh, Good Omens. Ooh, let me. I'm gonna look that. Yeah, up. look that up. I think that was war. Pretty sure. Um, yeah, cycle. that's definitely yeah. war. Yeah. Okay. So, well, vamp for a Which, second as I look up war. I th- I think, she was the hottest. Yeah, yes. I think war. Uh, <laughs> I think I could parlay that, right? You could parlay that. No. Oh yeah, war is pretty. War it's, is into fighting. War is into fighting anyway. So right. Hmm. Yeah, probably, probably that into a little smooching. I don't think that's gonna work, Griffin. <laughs> a couple smooches. 
I think you think you're more charismatic than you are. Listen, I'm a whore for war. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Yeah, the only famine going on is Steve's bedroom. <laughs> Long time since those oats have been sewed. Oh, that really <laughs> caught me off guard. <laughs> it's a barren wasteland. <laughs> Hashtag plague of locusts. <laughs> I think pestilence would be the, the littlest schemer. Yeah. Um, Play dirty. I guess war because she's hot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, though. In the one specific series. Death, death is a little mysterious, you know? Karen. Oh, and, and you had green hair not that long ago. Yeah. Karen. Karen, yeah. Oh my gosh. What's under that Reaper robe? Are you brave enough to fight and find out? Flesh pulled very tightly over bones? Mm, I don't know. Hey, you know what? Not against it. <laughs> Next question, please. <laughs> Biffy has asked, which he has changed his name here to By North Polar Ho 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 Tart. Oh, North Pole. Season's greetings, my friend. <laughs> what is an honest rating of your personal CR? Ooh. This came up immediately after my comment that the woman that you would have failed that save on would have been above your CR. Hmm. I think. One, like <laughs> so. Okay, so 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 you gotta you gotta hear me out on this. I think like a commoner is what a CR zero. I don't think it would be zero. Maybe not like zero. It's like a C- CR like yeah, CR yeah. one half. Keep go, keep vamping. I'm looking. Well, this I, up. a commoner has tens across the board <laughs> on all stats. Mm-hmm. That's just how a commoner do with four hit points. So I think I have already calculated that I have a 17 strength based off of the scale. Yeah. So that would already put me ahead of a commoner on that scale. For sure. I don't know that they have a specific scale. Commoners range from a third to two per Eric. Hey, man. So I'm like on the two end of the commoner. Commoners get two attacks at 12th level. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's something to be worried about. It's because they got a half BAB. Uh, I'd say like I think two is fair with the seventeen strength, regardless of what you're getting into. Yeah. You don't think you have a level in like fighter because you had boxing experience? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know what it. I don't. I guess I don't know in real world what it takes to have a level in something. You know what I That's mean? That's true. Do we do we have a level in? Feels like level do we have one. A level people in, bumble around. Do we have a level in bard because we spent like three years? I, I think so. I'm a, I'm a CR 14, but for social encounters only. That's a lie. Like, that's that's a lie. Fantasy social encounters only. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a CR 14 for social encounters that happened while I'm in the shower in my head. Yes. <laughs> that was the question, right? That really... You, I, you I just think a it's, lot more confidence in the shower I than... Think it's di- <laughs> I think it's difficult to equate what real life experience is a class level because when you look at adventurers and stuff they level up three times in two weeks but then you look at the whole world of Galarian and most things are like and what happens if I like pick up a handgun I yeah know, like that, you immediately, like, that changes oh, my CR5 now <laughs> yep. 
This is great. I'm a gun. I get to got a level in gunslinger. <laughs> Sweet. What do you mean? Uh, I have a gun. And that's all their class is. <laughs> I get. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So yeah, CR fourteen. Uh, next question, please. All right. All right. So then, um. But all levels in separate classes, right? Yes. <laughs> my uh, my will save is trash. <laughs> Eric has asked a question here. What are some gaming-themed white elephant gifts? Ooh. If you're talking TTRPG, then I think dice is the easiest answer, right? Because you can have usually white... White elephant. White elephant is usually like a $20 limit, right? But they're also usually like kind of prankstery gifts. Yeah, white elephant, I've always interpreted as you have the creative freedom to actually put something good in there or you could really mess with them because that's the whole impetus of the game, right? Somebody, you don't know what you're getting, so it could be good or bad. And then people are stealing the good stuff, right? Ah, uh, yeah. So so just get a base subscription to Hero Lab Online. Mm. <laughs> well, None of the extra books. Oh, that just a coral book. <laughs> I think for for that kind of money mm-hmm. that you're tossing around, you could definitely get like just one d twenty. That's like the baked beans die. Oh, that would be that would be a <laughs> lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, something gimmicky like that. Yeah, that'd be good. Gimmicky like that, because uh, you could get you could easily get like a dire d twenty from like Die Hard or something, which would be kind of cool. Um, you could get one of those d twenties with um, two ones. And no 20. Yeah, that would be cool. That's a good one. That'd be fun. You should get them like a class supplement on a class they would never play. Well, I guess it's it's a randomized gift, but like... I would say go to Half Price Books, which I did recently, and find the shittiest Pathfinder supplements and bundle them up. So get like a Halflings of Galarian, the Elementalist Handbook, Orcs of Galarian, wrap that shit up, and someone open it and be like, oh, I'm not going to use any of this. I, think, I think you go into Half Price Books and you go into this room of all very well-known Pathfinder players who certainly already have a core rule book, mm-hmm. right? And you pull out a used core rule book. Actually, you know what? Get him the 2E playtest. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. the Discord today. <laughs> or maybe it was yesterday, I can't remember. Um, but yeah. In every used bookstore that has Pathfinder stuff in America for the last couple of years, you can find a copy of the 2E playtest in hardcover. I think one of the best ones that's Pathfinder related, and you and uh, and Tim and Brooks and Emily are, are living proof that this is a great gift, even if it's completely not related to what you're playing, mm-hmm. is get a random Adventure Paths pawn book. Yes. Because I, you guys a, love the Rain answer. of Winter one. Yeah. And, and like, it's not like you played Rain of Winter, but it's like, I feel like Tim just found reasons to use the minis that were in there. Yeah, it that's that is such a great suggestion. The random pawn books for a random AP, because you're going to find some really cool miniature art in there and you can use that. And every AP has some goofy something in it. So like with the Rain of Winter ones, I remember uh, Tim and I went to Half Price Books to get a pawn collection and pick that one up and we're leafing through it like what the hell is going on in this AP I'm not going to spoil anything although everybody knows everything about Rain and Winter probably but it was really fun and that would be a fun yet somewhat practical gift it would be something worth stealing but if you got stuck with it in White Elephant it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world yeah 
for general gaming, I think you can get like Avalon and Werewolf, which are pretty popular like group games. Yep. For like sub fifteen dollars now, so they they be solid choices if you're just looking for like a not. I, I guess I would call those like a board game. Yeah, that's a good answer. I think also getting a like not quite faulty, but a non-effective dice tower would well, also <laughs> be great. Like it, it's something that could work, but it's like inconvenient for one reason or another, whether it's like too large or only fits small dice or something like one of those. Or a, a set of dice that is like not from a reputable company. <laughs> like, a pop, countdown dice? Yeah, like poly, yeah, get them magic poly, together. seven set of dice from poly hyphen fun dice all right i'm sure these are weighted well <laughs> you know like there's there's a bunch of dragons in like any of the tabletop rpgs so like i think you could get the cheapest bad dragon and that would probably be like oh sure <laughs> actually yeah that's a good point <laughs> oh my gosh you could uh pump the cream through it all right next question please <sighs> jesus christ that's what happens when you beat it on the table like when hey mm-hmm. speaking of meat um <laughs> Going back to the weird meat discussion from Curse, what is an exotic meat you would want to try and how would you prepare it? Human. um, I think I made that pretty clear. But how would you prepare it? (sighs) That's tough. Because you don't really know like what a good... I would have to talk to a professional to know what a good cut of human meat is to have like a steak. Um, I don't think I don't think we do steak. I think we're white meat. Mm. Oh, that's true. The other white meat. Mm-hmm. Baby. Ah, ground me up like a turkey burger from a human or something. Turkey burger? Okay. Yeah. You can make a burger. Human chops. Human chop. You know what? No. I wanna I wanna insult somebody and turn them into a hot dog. I think human hot dog. I think boy bacon's the next thing. I'm that sorry, is what? uh Smeagol said people bacon. Yeah, boy bacon. Boy bacon. I mean, yeah. does it it doesn't have to be gender specific, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's the nature it's of branding, it. It has yeah. to be an alliteration. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> we're getting a lot of really bad comments. Yeah. Just like those dragons. <laughs> just got some Jesus. You guys are awful. Um, Chris just said, I want to eat a cat, which concerns me because he's got two. Um, <laughs> he used to have three, right? <laughs> what happened to all of <laughs> Well, you're, we call her four legs and three legs and two legs. <laughs> She got hit by a lot of cars that year. She she kind of just vanished. <laughs> I think I would want to eat something that is preserved. So you know how like you know how like people age steaks. Oh, I thought you meant like a mammoth. I kind of do. <laughs> okay. Like something sure. that's been in in ice for yeah for a long uh, time. Maybe not as long as a mammoth, but like like that episode of Futurama where Bender exactly makes the, where ba- yep. Bender makes the mammoth uh, sausage. If that was something that I could get my hands on, I think. I mean, it might make you terribly sick, but what wouldn't? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd, you can tell me anything. I'd eat like a squirrel. No, I have eaten squirrel. I've eaten squirrel, deer. I got a hunter buddy at work who like prepares all that kind of weird gamey meat. Mm-hmm. And it's if you do it right, it can be a lot of fun. I don't know. Give me like fucking camel or penguin or something. I mean, I, I think even like elephant might be interesting. Yeah. But I'd feel bad because elephants are like pretty intelligent. Endangered rhino. All right, Steve. We're already pretty good at getting boners. We don't need the endangered rhino. Right? <laughs> can't put that kind of energy in the studio. We can't do right. that. We can't do the extra boners in the studio again. 
You're right. I didn't take that into account. Foolish of you not to Fo take that. Foolish of me. Table's already tilted. Dice are always cocked. <laughs> Next question, please. Okay. Next question. Not more than dice that are cocked. <laughs> Sir Newt has brought it back around to the seltzers. Mm -hmm. If you had to make a party pack of the worst seltzer flavors you've tried, what would be in it? Oh, boy. Oh, that's pretty difficult, actually. That really is a tough question. You, you did a really good job. I'm going to start with a White Claw Surge Lime. Uh, yeah, if we're bringing the Surge in. 8% Lime. This. I'm going to throw a... Whatever the Aldi seltzers are, I'm going to throw a Lime of that in there as well. Those were terrible, yeah. It's probably going to be a mostly Lime pack. Actually, I'm going to throw the Bud Light Out of Office Summer Pack lime margarita in there as well <laughs> lime i don't know why they think it works in seltzer it doesn't and then for my fourth uh i don't know one of the original sparkling ices i don't remember which one they all were really terrible i don't remember them enough to yeah. throw the flavors in there i feel like mine would be relatively corona heavy i remember those oh sure those were terrible. really bad yeah and they had a lime too it was like raspberry lime or blackberry yeah, lime or something that was yeah really it was bad. it was i think it was blackberry that was yeah. a war crime that and their other citrus were bad and then the mango was fine yeah i think it, honestly it'd just be a couple of limes if those feel like the worst flavor to me Ooh, i would also say uh vibe cherry is oh the, yeah know, that was abomination flavor. that was really bad and I think I'll sub uh, out one of my limes for that. That was yeah, a that was pretty bad. Difficult time. I'm surprised more of the ices haven't shown up. I just they they weren't. We only had them just, once. I just remember. You them know being what? Bad. That that fucking terrible coffee one. Ooh. The oh, coffee I one that. The coffee goes in that seltzer. goes in that was, list. Was that that was a, a seltzer. hard seltzer? Or was it? It was a hard, a hard seltzer. Oh god. It we drank that. That was part of the breakfast seltzer pack. Breakfast seltzer. Oh, yeah. that was poison. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely goes in there. Again, I think that's one of the three that were like left downstairs. Warhead seltzer. Oh my! All of yeah. those. Never mind. Take that. The, all those warhead seltzers. <laughs> yes, I had to think for a the second. Case? The fact warhead that they tasted seltzers. like vomit, and Emily could confirm the the distinct flavor of yep. vomit with her food yep. science experience. All of them tasted like vomit. All of them belong on that list. None of them like were hangover. None vomit. of them were. I mean, I remember you like during a drug disorderly. I remember Haley gagging at me having one open. Yeah, because it smelled like the morning after you wake up and you realize you puked last night. We were cracking those open during re recording sessions of Carrying Crown and everyone at the table was like, come on, that sucks. Just stank up the whole room. Yeah, those yeah, were. Those were. So all of those, the four pack of those. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So that was like 12 seltzers, but I think they all belong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you really had to pick four, I feel like I that's the warhead. The warhead's in that coffee one, maybe instead of the best warhead. <laughs> All right. We've got another question here from Bippy. And I think this is mostly directed at Griffin because I don't think Steve has watched One Piece. No, I have not. Okay. What would be your ideal devil fruit? As in what power would it give you and what would it taste like? Ooh, shoot. Do you want to explain to Steve if Steve doesn't know? 
Yeah, so a devil fruit is like the magic of the One Piece anime. Okay. And it's basically a cursed fruit that gives you a superpower. But the whole anime is obviously about pirates, Mm -hmm. and it makes the sea hate you. So, like, you can't swim. Oh, I mean, we live in Columbus, Ohio, so that's not right, a right, right. for me. But, yes. but for, for the anime, it's pertinent because they're all pirates. Of course, yeah. Like, you have a devil fruit power, and now you can't swim, and you're a pirate captain. So it's mm-hmm. a whole thing. So it's like, I can read minds, but I'm on a pirate ship, and I'm constantly getting hit with tidal waves. Right. Okay. I honestly think this isn't going to be super creative, but I think... Um, I think the I, f- I forget the name of the devil fruit, but the smoke one is like super thematic for me, like smoke and meat and that kind of stuff. He he basically can turn any part of his body to smoke. That's cool. and he's constantly like smoking a stogie because he can control the he can control smoke as well. So he like creates smoke. Smoke answer. Yeah, he's like a smoke answer. I think that's one of my favorites so far. So I think that would be my answer for that although there are some like crazy powerful ones like the lightning one is ridiculous where you can just turn his whole body into lightning and obviously luffy is the main character he has the gum gum fruit which makes him rubber Mm -hmm. which you wouldn't think is like super strong until he he starts like showing off his abilities like he basically can like slingshot his fists and stuff i saw the low-cost cosplay dude on facebook do one piece and that that one I actually knew I knew like the dude who can like do like the Mr. Fantastic stuff Mm -hmm. and his way that he did that he took a photo of I believe it was like a stainless steel pot that was reflecting his image and he looked like a regular human being and he held out his arm and it was like stretched around the pot (laughs) (laughs) It it was great now regarding the flavor I would like to remind you that it is classically a very horrible flavor. It's always like super bitter or super sour. I mean, I feel, yeah, I feel like that one would taste like <laughs> ash. Mm-hmm. Grandma's ashtray. Yeah, Grandma's ashtray. Haley, how are we doing on questions? Do we have any more? I have one more. All one, right. one final question. Yeah, that sounds good. I think we're getting close to time anyway. Fun and the final jab. Yes. <laughs> and the final jab. So if you guys want to start putting the final jabs out now um, while yes. they do this question. Keep in mind, is anybody that's... Uh, <laughs> Keep in mind. Can be Griffin. <laughs> be. Can be Haley. <laughs> it also could be me, but I'm just saying anybody could be the target of the final jab. All right. So Smeagol asked, Twilight or Doctor Who? Twilight. What's your preference, Griffin? Uh, Twilight. Twilight. Come on, right. give, me, give, me, give me some knocks there. I mean, I've only seen one season of Doctor Who, so I don't know. But that is... I, I, I enjoy the Twilight movie for what it is. <laughs> I didn't really enjoy Doctor Who for what it was. I disagree with you, but you've only Fine. seen one season. Yeah. And that is the last question, but there are three people actively typing. No, several people now. Uh-oh. <laughs> It's going to be a pretty spirited final jab. (laughs) There's only one final jab, people. Don't forget that. Don't forget only You only get one. You're competing amongst yourselves. So, yes, (laughs) I think now is a good time to just kind of start running some of our end of show stuff. So I don't know if we have anything crazy coming up. Just regular show schedule. Check us out on Patreon. You guys are already there who are watching us live. Leave us reviews and all that fun shit. But if you are watching us live, we are going to be in the Drunken Discordly channel in 
maybe about 10 minutes or so after we wrap this up and go to the bathroom, refresh drinks and stuff for a little after party. Want to hang out with you guys. It's Saturday night. Let's chill. Griffin, is there anything else we need to plug? I don't know. I'm pretty caught up. I don't know. I'm still waiting for when we announce uh, the next Link Legacy season. That has not been announced yet. Although there have been good guesses on our Discord. Pretty spirited speculation. Spirited speculation, (laughs) indeed. Yeah, I don't know when we're allowed to announce that, but we've got plenty of season three to go. Yep. For those of you who are listening in at home and not live, and you're not on our Discord, we always put out a kind of teaser of what the next Link's legacy is before it's ready. And so right now we have the teaser out. Anyways. The teaser for the first three seasons was just an acronym of the module. Yep. The teaser for this one, I I think I can say the teaser, right? I mean, we put it out into the world. The teaser is Cleave Mountain. Yes, it is. All right. I have the last jab. All right. Let's hear it, Haley. Bippy has said, Steve wishes he could be like Edward Cullen. Mediocre at best and only wanted by middle-aged divorced women. That is so shockingly accurate. (laughs) It's not a jab if it's true. Yeah, I mean, what's the final jab? (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we're wrapping this up. Haley, are there any jabs that are not about me? Uh, that jab was voted as the best. All right, well, that's fine. All right. Are there, is there anything that's not me? Please, I said please. anyone could get jabs. Please. All right. No, this has been so much fun. I do enjoy the last jab because uh, that one was very accurate. It's been great. Haley, thank you again for officiating this thing and helping manage it. We couldn't do it without you. Griffin, always a good time. Is there anything that you want to say to the folks at home before we wrap up tonight? Finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. always got out got me about doctor who you got all of time and space why do 70 percent of the episodes take place in 20 20th century britain uh, uh, uh. every other episode approximately okay you sure. join in the Still, conversation 50 get on the microphone okay so it is it is uh, but about those because ones? The con- continuity of the show is not very good. Correct. I, mean, I would say but probably budget, too. Here's the thing is a lot of the ones that take place technically still on Earth mm-hmm. aren't always in the same time period at all. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's 1990s Britain. Sometimes it's people from 1990s Britain wearing colonial Britain clothes. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm sa- I'm just trying to say you got all of time and space. You can go anywhere, anytime, and you stick 50% of your episodes within 50 years one way or the other of present day Britain. Yeah. That would be budget. That would be budget. <laughs> he's a very he's 100% he's budget. a very specific doctor. He specializes <laughs> in that area of time. He got his PhD in uh, 1950 to uh, 2000 Britain. Mm, that makes sense. You know what's more interesting? Go ahead. The doctor doesn't help any Americans. <laughs> mm. What does that say about us?
maybe maybe he we're not worth helping i guess or nothing interesting happens here it all happens on mm-hmm. on griffin was that your I, first doctor who last night yeah i don't watch british tv i don't like it you've been yeah you were very adamant like, I, I don't yeah i'm like i don't watch british tv there's a period in the matt smith run where they start doing stuff in the u.s because yes. it started getting popular here and you could get like bow ties or cool t-shirts at hot topic i know because i did that um they like purposefully made matt smith more uh more welcoming to america americans yes well hello everybody we're in a heated discussion about doctor who that's been going on for quite a while it's our plans for tonight who do we got in the chat (laughs) we've got um cory uh demuth sir newt and smeagol Ooh, good crew today good crew today give me your hottest takes on doctor who hottest takes yeah I'm, I'm more calling out to the chat but oh, okay um, yeah. i mean if you you could just no i go. know I mean, you know my take i just I, I i really think having only watched like a season of it mm-hmm. that it, it's very repetitive again you mm-hmm. watch like i don't if if a whole season of a show is that repetitive i don't give a fuck if it's not a good season it's not good it was a bad season oh it was a bad season i don't care don't you introduced me to it on that season. Well, I didn't know you were going to sit down and oh, watch David it. Tennant from Everyone's the bottom. favorite doctor. Fucking horrible. The very first, first season, season of him. David Tennant where like every, every single episode was bad is mm-hmm. not every single episode includes being like trapped in something or sucked. Into yeah, I mean, something. honestly, if you're, if you're a big fan of Vore, then season one of David Tennant's run is great because everyone's getting eaten or sucked into something. <laughs> like they got sucked into TVs, they got sucked into drawings, they got sucked into. When did that season come body. out? Did that season come out in like sexually formative 2006. years? Two thousand six. Two thousand six. A lot of people. Oh, two thousand six. People that we know, guys. So two thousand six. Yeah, that. So like that what? does explain a lot. Yeah, like end of middle school. <laughs> yep, that explains the yep. like the the huge surge in four right there. Hmm. Called it. Nailed it. Yeah. Hey, Brooks, you got to mute yourself, man. I wonder. I wonder how much porn there is of the the guy, the gross blob guy that sucked in. Well, that sucked, let's find that out. That sucked moaning Myrtle into his stomach. <laughs> yeah, Griffin had a hard time with that. <laughs> At the end of it, moaning Myrtle becomes a living fuck slab of stuff. That is true. That is it's that heavily does implied that, does that happen. her boyfriend is just mouth fucking a stone slab. It's not very thick mm. either. It's not very thick. He's got like maybe an inch and a half of clearance. So he's just shoving the tip into Moaning Myrtle's face. Or it's some sort of extra dimensional space. I don't think it is though. Hmm. It's flat on the back, you, man. Well, it's, it's very flat. Right. On I mean, the if it's an extra dimensional well, space, he, he turned around. around. I mean, we could be doing like TARDIS rules here. Like TARDIS, yeah, it it TARDIS could be like TARDIS rules. Yeah, yeah. it's not um, like TARDIS rules, though. Do you so, ever? <laughs> all right, here's a question. Yes, I knew it exists. It's definitely there. Do you ever get a full, straight down the barrel shot of her mouth on the? Stage? Yes, you yes. do. You do. And does it? Does it look darkness? Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, then, yeah, it doesn't end in like some brilliant light. Also, like, um, I really hate that she never ages. <laughs> I don't age. I'm stuck as the Rosetta Stone of fuck for well, the rest of my life. Well, he could pass it down to his kids. <laughs> exactly. Well, he's not going to have any kids. He's too busy fucking the, the stone just slab. Candy Havervor. <laughs> Oof. That's real good. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Bippy 
just started and <laughs> asked immediately, what the hell is the Rosetta Stone? <laughs> Fuck. It's boning Myrtle in, in fucking Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Fucking poor girl. It's with the, um, it's the episode. So new, you said you didn't remember. It's, She's been turned to stone so many times on TV. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Cause she, she got petrified in Harry Potter, time. turned to stone by yeah. the basilisk. Uh-huh. Yeah. And now she's a fucking, she, she, she's literally, well, she's literally a tile with a face. Well, yeah. It's I horrifying. Mean, you get, Griffin, you get typecast, you're being right? Asked, you're being asked to not kink shame, please. Mm, I'm sorry, but if, if that's just you're into, get out of the chat. <laughs> step out. Okay, so All right, guys, I gotta, out, go. I gotta go. For those who don't remember what episode this is, because I can see a couple of you didn't remember, it's the one with the, uh, like, not fat bastard, fat bastard guy. Who- this is so classic of people that proclaim that they're Doctor Who fans. Forgetting that Moaning Myrtle got turned into a fuck Absolutely. slab. It's the guy. Oh, I remember the good episodes. I remember the 18 episodes yeah, of Vore in season so one long. of David run. It's been so long. Anyways. Well, I'm yeah. coming into it with fresh eyes as a person who's never seen it. Yeah, so that guy. And unlike Steve's in? Twilight experience, mm-hmm. I'm having a bad experience. I'm having a great time, yeah. I am. Uh, I, I, we're going to start season two tonight. There better be there better be a dramatic change in the pace of these episodes. I'm, I are well, it's season, 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 season three. Season three. Let me see. Um. Yeah. So, Bippy, it's from season two, uh, the first season with David Tennant, where like there's a ton of the same exact type of episode. The plot is the same half yeah. the time. Oh no! I got sucked into a TV. Oh no! I got sucked into Fat Bastard. Oh no! I got sucked into a drawing. What is? see what these episodes are first one i don't remember this shit at all no, i don't remember that one either it's uh well, this boats poorly there's an episode called gridlock all right so because the guy claims to have eczema and then never touches anyone but he says eczema super weird i have eczema Eczema. guys we gotta get to episodes four and five there's like pigmen are you looking up season three yeah okay the first episode is Apparently doesn't count. It does not have a number in the series called The Runaway Bride. Oh, this is the Donna Noble one. Yeah, because that that's that's a Christmas special. Oh, no. I thought Blink was in this one. It's not. Oh, great. You mean I get to slog through another season without the one episode you guys said is good? <laughs> um, yeah, geez, I don't remember that one either. These are all Martha episodes. Season three is all Martha. No, Blink's in season three. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's just, it's 10. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. You just got to get nine, through nine episodes before that. <laughs> oh, and then Captain Jackson here. That's good. Oh, he's always good. Yeah. And then it ends with um, the master, who is pretty good. So, yeah. This should be not, not anywhere near like season All two. All right. You just got to get through like eight not memorable episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to have a real good run of four. Okay. So season two, by the way, the episode—the other season—the episode that Griffin was having like a huge issue with Moaning Myrtle. um, That was Love and Monsters, which is season two, episode ten. All right, guys, we are in. I mean, the chat is just electric right now, but we got to start. (laughs) We got to start the actual episode. So, without further ado, let's roll.